When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil Villapiano. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. That is the definition of a win-win scenario. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Football League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Devils fans, as I always promise, we do have special guests that join us here on the Devil State of Mind podcast. And I've always said this before, that I personally believe the more people out there that can put content out about our favorite teams, the better. Because obviously we always talk about, we feel that the team themselves needs to put out more content. There needs to be more ways for us to get information out there about our teams. That's one of the big reasons why I did the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And as always, guys, I appreciate all of your support. But 
Ladies and gentlemen, we have another very special guest joining us here on this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. It is another new New Jersey Devils podcast. Uh, he's already put out his first two episodes during this week. I think he actually might. I think he uh, actually posted a new episode. I want to say it was yesterday, which you can check out on YouTube. But it is with great pleasure that we welcome on the host of the Trap NJ Devils podcast, Mr. Bill. Botch Bill, first and foremost, welcome to the Devil's State of Mind podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? Neil, I'm doing great, buddy. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. We really appreciate you coming on and taking some time to uh, to come on and talk to us about what we all love to talk about, and that is our New Jersey Devils. But before I jump into that, my first question to you, and I like to ask this to a lot of people, especially because this is obviously a Devils-based podcast. My real first question is, how did you get into the game of hockey? And more specifically, I guess you could say it's the second part of the question. How did you become a fan of the New Jersey Devils? Well, um, that's a good question. So uh, I grew up in Tom's River, New Jersey, and um, one of the older kids across the street from me was a Flyers fan and used to play street hockey. And he kind of got me into uh, street hockey and uh, funny story, it's kind of embarrassing. I don't like to reveal this, but my first uh, introduction to hockey was I went to the Flyers Wives Fight for Lives. Um, mm. They have they have that thing. At, it was at the Spectrum back in the day, and it was in right. 1993 when Eric Lindros first came onto the scene. And um, mm. my, neighbor, my neighbor let me carpool and hop in with him and his family. And I went over there and I and I saw everything. And I kind of got intrigued by hockey. And then. Um, in 1993, I went to my first hockey game, which was a Devils Flyers game, and I just kind of fell in love with it. And then um, it was it was awesome. From 1994 to 2000, me and my my uh, my family we had season tickets for the Devils. We had half season tickets at the old Brendan Byrne barn, and we got to mm. see such great hockey for for a long time. So I mean. We watched Brodor come up and Scott Stevens and Niedermeyer and the whole crew and the three cups. And um, yeah, we fell in love with it just like everybody else did. I love that because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm always very curious and anybody who's listened to my podcast before, especially when I have, you know, fans or other hosts and things like that. I'm always curious to know how their fandom of the game of hockey and of course the New Jersey Devils comes about and it's actually great that we got some Monmouth County representing because I am also from the county of Monmouth. I'm actually from Little Silver, New Jersey. So we're actually not that far away yeah, from right the road. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of it's kind of nice because a lot of the people that I've had on are from New Jersey, but they're from usually much more northern parts, much closer uh, to the Prudential Center. But it's great. It's great nonetheless to get on some more Devils, you know, fans that are from the area and, you know, have a story to tell. And that's great. My next question to you, Bill, is this. You know, obviously this past week is when you kicked off your podcast. Again, it's called The Trap, NJ Devils Podcast, which you can find on YouTube. Just search The Trap, NJ Devils Podcast, and and it's right there. You can subscribe and don't forget to hit the notification bell uh, so you don't miss any new episodes he posts. He's also on Twitter, which I will let him uh, – I will let him do that, do the talking for that uh, later on in the episode. But what made you want to start a Devils podcast and obviously just add another uh, great podcast to a list of great Devils podcasts we have? 
Um, well, obviously, uh, the Devils don't have the biggest market in the league, and um, we have our cross town rivals and and Philadelphia. We're kind of squished in between them, so mm-hmm. I, you know, it's one of those things that Jersey always kind of gets the the short end of the stick. So I thought that uh, it couldn't help but contribute more to the Devils community, and I also feel like the Devils are on. Um, the Devils are on the, the trajectory. They're on the rise up, and I wanted to be part of it and have my uh, – I've been watching them for a really long time. So I figured it would be a, a good time to hop in and as new fans were to jump along, jump on the bandwagon, hopefully in the next year or two, um, they would have a they would have some more voices and some more content to listen to. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, it, it's, it's never a better time than now. I mean, you know, it's better to jump on now before the team really starts getting good and becomes well-known throughout the league um, than jumping right in the middle of it. So it's great. And obviously, you being a fellow Devils fan, that's awesome. And I'm definitely going to be listening to your podcast as well. And I know that you and I will certainly interact a bunch on socials and all of that. So now that we've kind of gotten all of the uh, you know introductories out of the way, Let's let's talk about the New Jersey Devils, as I you know I'd like to say every now and then I like to talk about. Um, but you look at this team, Bill, and my first question when you look at the team, out of all the acquisitions that Tom Fitzgerald made this uh, this past season, which one stands out to you the most, and which one do you think will have the biggest impact for this upcoming 2022-23 season? I, th- I think the easy answer is Andre Pilat. Um, he's going to obviously bring a veteran um, experience, winning culture to the locker room, hopefully. Uh, Pilat's a, a guy that we we were lacking a lot of the things that Pilat does, I feel like, in our top six. And, I mean, Nico goes into the dirty areas of the ice, and he plays a scrappy game. But Pilat is a guy that could win board battles. He could um, He can extend the play below the goal line. And uh, he has a knack for finishing. He finds the net in key moments of the game. Obviously, every, you know, everybody saw his last couple playoff appearances, how what a contributing factor he's been. Um, he's he's going to be somebody that our young guys are going to be able to hopefully look up to and uh, gain, f- figure out how to start winning some important games. Um, another, another, it's not necessarily a pickup. Um, and I touched on it in, in my recent podcast, but I I like them bringing Breland into the, up into the big club and into the Mm -hmm. fold with some of these young guys. It's like Breland. If you, if you watched him, Sergey Breland was a warrior. He, he had no problems, you know, making plays knowing that he was to, you know, he would take a hit to make a play. And, he was one of those guys that was uh, willing to do whatever it took to win. And I think that once these younger guys who are really, we have a, a plethora of high draft picks and um, right. most of those guys kind of got away with typically these high talented guys get away with their speed and their high end talent that gets them through. But once you get into the NHL, you have to learn that you do whatever it takes to win. And Sarge is the type of guy who's going to hold these younger guys who are skilled players, I think, more accountable and let them know that sometimes, you know, the finesse and the speed, it's all gravy. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to take your, your, your bumps and your bruises when you want to, you know, put away, put away a game. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a lot of good points. And I think that, you know, obviously the Devils did make some acquisitions like, 
you know, signing Andre Palat and adding other guys to the fold like Vanacek and Eric Halla and John Marino and a bunch of other guys. But you do bring up a very good point that you could make an argument that the the biggest acquisitions were the coaching staff as a whole. And Sergey Brillant's a big part of that because you get Andrew Burnett, who when he was uh, not named the next head coach officially of the Florida Panthers, uh, Fitzgerald really immediately went to work and did everything he could to get this guy in. And, you know, Burnett shows signs of maybe a guy that's a rising uh, star as far as coaching is concerned in the NHL with what he was able to do under the circumstances that he was in when he took over for Joel Quenville um, in Florida. And, and obviously they didn't put up the greatest showing against Tampa in the second round. But as we know, Tampa Bay is just a juggernaut and a really tough team to beat uh, in the playoffs and you need a great team overall to beat them. And that's what, that's what Colorado was able to do. And that's what they had. But Burnett did a really, really good job. And I think the big thing, and I've mentioned this before that Burnett is hired as an associate coach, which pretty much to me is like an, a head coach waiting in the wing. Like I've mentioned it before that I don't think Lindy Ruff lasts after this season if he does make it through the year. I think that he stays with the Devils in some other capacity. And I think Andrew Burnett, once he understands the team that they have around him long term, um, he will probably take over. That would that just the way that I look at it. But I do like him, you know, coming in as an offensive acquisition, which is important. Ryan McGill for the penalty kill, who is did a really good job with the Vegas penalty kill in the first five years of their existence. And obviously, like you mentioned, bringing in, bringing in Sarge and it's about time that he got a look in the NHL. And, you know, a lot of young guys who are a bunch of them are going to probably make the roster have already played under him. And now a lot of the veterans get a chance to experience that. And hopefully he can bring some wisdom um, to, uh, to this team. So, yeah, I think the coaching staff is just as important um as the player acquisition. Now, I wanted to get your take on this, Bill, and I know it's been over a month and a half since this happened, but what were your overall feelings now that we're much further away from it? What are your overall feelings about a star player like Johnny Gaudreau deciding to not sign with the Devils and go to a different team like he did with going to uh, Columbus? I'm not going to lie. It it was... um... It was a little disappointing. Um, you know, the Gaudreau contract was concerning to me. Even before, you know, I, I thought if we landed him, I thought we were going to be paying him somewhere, you know, nine, in between nine and ten. And um, that concerned me. I mean, we have a young squad. He's in his late 20s. You never, you, you never know how those contracts are going to work out. So um, I do think his game is more about speed and agility. So he, he doesn't take the bumps and the bruises that somebody like, even like a guy like Palat, like he, he gets, he's so physical. They start to break down a little bit. Uh, mm. I wasn't really worried about that, but not signing Johnny Gaudreau gives us a little more wiggle room and maneuver room in the future. So it, it, it was one of those things, you know, I, I wanted him. And then when we didn't get him, I got over it pretty quickly, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I, and I wrote an article last week for inside the puck. Uh, you know, I usually try to have an article out every Wednesday, uh, unfortunately not for this week, but you know, it'll be back next week. And I wrote an article about should the devils pursue 
uh, David Postenog, just to throw it, you know, somebody that's a big name player. And I looked at it when I, when I did my research and I saw the Devils going into next season, you know, I know it's a long way away from now, but looking ahead to the 23-24 season, the Devils will have something along the lines of about $32, $33 million in cap space with about eight or nine guys signed uh, for that season with a lot of them being signed long-term. So the core has been certainly established and now it's about building the team around uh, those guys. But this is my opinion, and, and I don't know, Bill, if you share it, and obviously I'll give you the opportunity to respond, but my whole feeling is that the reason, other than Dougie Hamilton signing for us last summer, I think one of the big reasons why the Devils uh, have not been able to always get some of the big-name guys that maybe they, that they have been rumored for in the past, whether it's free agency or trade, is the fact that players outside the Devils' you know, fan base and organization don't see the Devils as like a marquee spot like it used to be when Lou was here in his prime and really, you know, consistently building, you know, good cup contending teams. And I think that the Devils really need to start winning in order to make this uh, place more attractive to guys so that people don't say, why would thus and so move from here and come to New Jersey? And I think that's a big question mark to a lot of people when Dougie Hamilton decided to not stay in Carolina and took almost the same amount of money that he would have gotten from Carolina and chose to come to New Jersey. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you agree, disagree, a little bit of both? Like, What's your feeling about that? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as a Devils fan, Dougie Hamilton should have a little piece of every Devils fan's heart for being one of the first guys as a free agent. I mean, he was a super sought after, uh, you know, he's six foot seven, right-handed defenseman who puts up points. He could have played anywhere he wanted, realistically. Mm -hmm. So um, for him to pick New Jersey, of course, I mean, that was great. I mean, and that is only going to, I mean, I really think when Luke Hughes gets into the picture and Nemitz get into the picture, it's, and you know, the Hughes brothers are a thing and it's must watch television and they're, you know, the NHL and the television uh, channels are promoting them and whatnot. I really think it's going to draw some other free agents our way. But of course, I mean, the Devils have been living in the shadow of, you know, the Rangers or just New York City in general. Jersey lives in the shadows of New York. But mm -hmm. realistically, if you're from out of town, you could live in Hoboken or Jersey City or North Jersey and be a train ride or, you know, a 15 to half hour minute ride outside of Manhattan. So Jersey has, I believe Jersey has a lot to offer. And then once we start winning and build a winning culture, there's going to be more people that are willing to uh, come play for the Devils. I believe that. Yeah. And I think that when you, it's kind of a hard thing for a lot of us to admit because we're obviously fans of this team and we're going to be super passionate. But I think a lot of us also try to be very realistic. And especially for me, since I really started doing this podcast and I spend a lot of time thinking about what I'm going to say sometimes, I really try to think also from an outsider's perspective. How do other teams, other executives, players, fans, how do they perceive the devils? How do they look at the devils? And you know, I sometimes have argued to say that I think a lot of people see the Devils as a quote-unquote irrelevant team because if you look at the last decade um, of the Devils franchise, they've made the playoffs just once. And in many years, they've been embarrassed and finished towards the bottom of the leagues. And we and they go, you know, oh, all we keep hearing is all the good 
you know, talent that we have, but when is it going to start showing on the ice? And I'm sure a lot of fans are saying that right now. A lot of Devils fans saying, when are we going to stop talking about the future and start talking about the present being good? And the only reason that we don't feel that a lot of Devils fans will immediately debunk any sort of top player, whether it's free to your trade to come here is because of the lack of us showing that we are a destination. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. One thing you have to keep in mind, too, is back in the 90s and the early 2000s, Lou Lamorello kind of had a a swag and an aura and a boss mentality about him to where when agents or free agents were talking to Lou, they knew that he meant business and he wasn't jerking around. So I feel like Lou alone earned a lot of respect from people and got some people who were – who necessarily didn't, you know, weren't didn't know anything about New Jersey to come because Lou kind of carried that aura and that swag about him. And uh, Ray Shiro to me didn't didn't really have that. He was a little cocky, but um, he wasn't able to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. He was left with a with a bad hand, in my opinion. But um, we're, I'm hoping that Tom Fitzgerald is able to just, you know, he has that connection of being an ex player and being respected. So hopefully, um, we. Uh, you know, he has the respect of the league and the respect of young players coming in, talking to an ex-player, and hopefully uh, we could bring in some more talent. Yeah, I mean, I think we've looked, we've been trying for a couple of years now to look for a guy who's blatantly honest. Um, I think Ray Sherrill definitely did some good things, but I think that also at times he wasn't consistently honest with the fan base. And uh, I think that was part of his downfall, although I don't give him full blame for the the way things happen with the team. But I like how honest Fitzgerald has been since the first day he was hired as the full-time general manager that, you know, it was going to take time. He wanted to build the team a certain way and he wanted to build the team for long-term success, not just for immediate success. He wanted to make New Jersey a place that players wanted to come play, whether it's being drafted by them or coming here as a free agent or coming here via trade. I think it's, I think it's very important. And I know that when PK Subban made its Instagram post after the season this past year, he said nothing but glowing remarks. And when he won the King Clancy award, he immediately thanked the devils and went in detail about how the devil's organization is first class and the way that they treat players is unbelievable. And I think that that's, that's a good thing. And even though PK is not the same player he once was him being a marquee player in the league, it's important to for everybody to have that type of relationship with every player so that other guys will start to talk to other players around the league and say, Hey, I think New Jersey's building something very special here, and I think you want to keep an eye on it. So I, I like it. I very much like what Fitzgerald has done. I still firmly believe in what he's doing, and I'm looking forward to him continuing um, to uh, to move things forward. Um, I wanted to shift to something I talked about uh, earlier in the pod in this episode, but I wanted to get your take on it because a few days ago. We actually got a very interesting article from Corey Pronman, uh, who covers the NHL and NHL prospects for The Athletic, and he posted a list on Monday morning uh, listing the top, I think it was top 100 or top 60 um, best NHL players and prospects under the age of 23. And the Devils 
actually finished with seven different guys on this list. It was 150, actually, because Shakir Mukamadulin is at number 105, Nolan Foote at 83, Holtz at number 56, Mercer at number 46, Simone Nemetz at number 26, so there you go, 666, um, Luke Hughes at number 11, and his older brother, Jack Hughes, is the number one player, according to Corey Pronman, the number one player in the NHL under the age of 23. Woo. So in your in your opinion, Bill, like how does that make you feel as a fan, as a, a, a media person? How does it make you feel to see that many Devils players on a list like that being led by the number one player on that list? Oh, man, it's exciting. I mean, it is exciting. I, you know... It's funny because the the Devils that won the Stanley Cups were known as being a defensive team, obviously. Um, And and what's funny is they were always up at the highest, towards the highest um, goals uh, for every season, even though that they were known for being a defensive team. It's kind of nice to see and be part of something that you look like. This team is going to be up and down the ice with speed. Um, We have so many young uh, players that are about to be plugged right into our pipeline. I mean, I can't wait until I see Luke Hughes. Can you imagine the energy in the rock once Luke Hughes uh, has his first game? I mean, that's right. going to be that's gonna be so exciting. And, and, and Nemitz to me is a guy that is kind of, he's not flying under the radar, but Luke Hughes is getting a lot of hype. And I, I love the way Nemitz moves the puck and his patience with the puck. He's a beautiful skater. The kid is fast. Mm. Um, Two, the two of those guys, they're not going to play on the same pairing, but to have those guys on the ice for, you know, two-thirds of the game, realistically, it's like yeah. having defensemen that can move the puck to your to your speedy forwards is, I mean, that's the first part of offense. And, and to credit Tom Fitzgerald, the defensive core that he was left with compared to what we have now is literally night and day. So Absolutely. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, the defenseman transition the puck to, you know, Nico and Hughes and Brat and, you know, hopefully Holtz ends up playing with, with Jack at some point. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited. And you should be. And again, you, you nailed it right on the head. Cause I've said this um, in other cases that, yeah, out of all the things that Fitzgerald has done, that the biggest and most impressive thing is what he's done with the defense, because it was really bad two years ago. And it's funny how it's been only two years, but if you think about the amount of work that Fitzgerald has put in to acquiring really good talent via the draft, via free agency, via trades to get really good defensemen and to make the defense as strong as it is, I think it's a job well done. He turned that uh, mid round pick that we got in the Taylor Hall trade to one of the best defensive defensemen in the game in Jonas Siegenthaler which was a job well done in a half. You know, he's able to get Ryan Graves for a pick and Mikhail Molsev. And, you know, he's become a very sturdy defenseman. He was able to convince the top free agent and top free agent defenseman to, to come to New Jersey and be a part of this. And now he's got young guys like Luke Hughes and Simone Nemetz who haven't even played a game in the NHL. And he's got other guys coming up. He's got, Kevin Ball, Shakir, Riley Walsh, just to name a few. I mean, he's got a lot of different ways that he can make this team on the defensive side good for a long time. And I think that's a job well done by Fitzgerald. And 
not not to cut you off, but Stephen no, Thaler is he's one of my favorite players on the Devils. Last year, I thought he was one of the best players on the night in night out. He was one of the most consistent players. Mm-hmm. His skating, he can he flips his hips. He's a he is a great skater. He's always in position. Oh, yeah. And I and I think the the move Marino for Smith is also it was that was a home run. I mean, Marino is going to be somebody that is not going to put you in a bad situation when you're trying to close out a game. And um, and it's Ty Smith. It's it it sucks to have to give up on a first round pick or trade a first round pick away. But the truth mm-hmm. is, we have a lot of guys who are going to be playing the same you know, they are going to want to play on the power play or they're going to be want to hop in from the back end. And we are loaded in our pipeline with guys that play a very similar style. We need people that could play solid defense and keep the puck out of our net or close the game out, um, you know, in the future. So I, I loved I love that pickup, too. That was one of the more that was a surprising one because nobody we didn't hear anything about Ty Smith getting dealt. We didn't hear anything at all. That just it's one of those trades where. You think it's going to be a quiet rest of the offseason, and then that just kind of gets dropped into your lap. I still remember the Devils on their social posting posting an eye emoji, and it was like, okay, something is about to happen, and mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. At first, it was almost it was a little bit disappointing because I think we expected it to be a coaching hire as opposed to a player acquisition. But once we got to understand who the what player we got, it was kind of – a really good one. And yeah, it is unfortunate to give up on Ty Smith as quickly as we did, but we do have a lot of other guys that can fill his role. And we have, you know, we, we were lacking a little bit with experience and even some youth on the right side. And, you know, John Marino's 25, 26 years of age. He fits in with that core that we're, we're building. Um, you know, who knows if he is going to be here for the final five years of his deal, but I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring as well, so shifting away from the defense, um, Bill. Hey, yeah. hey Neil, Neil, can I ask you? Not to, sorry to interrupt. Can I ask you a question about a defenseman, real quick? Absolutely. I've All never. Right. What, this, is, this is different. I've never had my guest ask me a question, but I like right. this. Go ahead, go what, ahead, Bill. What are your feelings on Nikita Okutuk? You know, we saw him play a little bit at the end of last season, and. He's one of those guys where he's a big body, but I don't think he uses it enough. You know what I mean? It's like Kevin Ball, right? We got him. What was his big thing? He's big frame, but he was an offensive defenseman, which was kind of like ludicrous because it's like you're six seven and you don't use your body. And, and Kevin Deneen, I think, really did a good job of honing that physicality. And with Nikita, I think kind of the same thing. He might be a guy that's more of a very long-term guy, or he could be a guy we move for a a more NHL-ready player. But he's certainly another guy that I think could be an under-the-radar defenseman that comes in and and fills a void long-term. Yeah, I, I like him as like a seventh defenseman. He brings he he reminds me of that friend that you have that's a little bit of a wild card, and you're you're going out on Saturday night, and you don't know what he's going to get into. He he's a he's like a wrecking ball, and he came in, and I was pretty impressed with his couple games that he played in the NHL. I thought he uh yeah. he, he cleaned out the front of the net, and he got scrappy, and he added a little intensity to the team. And I yeah. think I think that's good for the, some of these younger guys to see a, a guy out there acting a little crazy, but. With that said, he definitely probably gets caught out of position more than more than I'd like to see. And um, but yeah, I, I was just curious. He's he's a guy that is uh, intriguing to me. He certainly is, and he, I'm sure he'll be another guy to watch out for. Again, just to let you guys know, 
Uh, the prospects camp starts in about two weeks. So we are very, very close to seeing a lot of young guys again uh, and starting to see some hockey again at a competitive level. So it'll be a lot of fun. So shifting away from the defense and moving to the goaltending, because let's face it, you and I both know, Bill, that it is going to be the biggest question mark going in to the 2022-2023 season. The Devils were able to acquire Vitek Vanacek for a fourth-round pick, or I think it was second-round pick now that I think about it. It was something like that. Not a whole lot. Um, and they still have Mackenzie Blackwood for at least another season. So you have this tandem of Blackwood and Vanacek, and without, without you know, knowing or predicting what could happen, what are your overall thoughts about that tandem going into this season? I like it. I like that Vanacek is young and still a little bit unproven. I think it it's going to force Blackwood's hand. And, you know, last year going into the season with the, the COVID and not getting, and Blackwood not getting vaccinated. And it, it doesn't bother me if you got vaccinated or didn't get vaccinated. That's none of my business. But mm-hmm. when you're playing in a team sport and your team relies on you and you're supposed to be the franchise goaltender uh, and there was only like three people in the league that hadn't gotten vaccinated, I knew that he was kind of putting himself in a situation to where if he didn't play good, he might get some criticism from the fans. And, and to be honest, I didn't know if that's something that he's ever dealt with before. Now, obviously he dealt with some injuries, but Blackwood has kind of looked pretty shaky for the past two years. And I'm hoping this year he comes in and he's healthy and I hope that he has his mind right. And he's focused and he, because he's going to, this is going to be a prove it year for him. I really believe that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, good to have a young guy who's also trying to be a starter uh you know push him push him for to to you know make him better and make him play for his next contract i don't want you know as much as i like having two steady goalies a 1a and 1b i'd rather just know that i have my franchise goalie and then i have my backup so i'm hoping that uh blackwood can be a little more consistent and and show us that he can do, you know, he's shown us flashes of, of greatness and I'm hoping that he could be more consistent with that. I think consistency is just a word in general. I think if, you know, we, we talked about it a bunch last year, if the devils had even half decent goaltending, they might've had a better season. Don't know how different last season might've been. Maybe we would have been a lot closer to a play spot, maybe just on the outside looking in, you know, who knows? Um, but certainly the season should have been better um, with where we were with goaltending when we started the season and all of that. But like you said, hopefully we get fully healthy Blackwood, which according to Tom Fitzgerald, he's been fully healthy for a while and he's just raring and ready to go. I know Vitek Vanacek uh, through his Instagram uh, is currently on his way or at this point should have landed in New Jersey. So he is getting ready to to uh, begin his first year in the Garden State. And obviously he has some information on one of our Metropolitan Division rivals. So that I'm sure um, will go will go a long way in helping us when we take on Washington. But yeah, I mean, it, the hope is, is that that we finally have created some stability in net. We've been trying it. We thought we had it with Corey Crawford and Blackwood, but Corey Crawford decided to leave. We thought we had it when we had Mackenzie Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier, and that didn't happen. Uh, So now we're just kind of, you know, it's like third time's the charm that we're hoping that we can finally not have to focus on eventually going back in the goalie market and finding somebody. And we do have young guys like Nico Dawes, Akira Schmidt, Jakob Malik. Merrick's mittens, guys that, you know, 
You never know what can happen if they get a full-time opportunity. And Dawes is the closest one so far, and it'll be intriguing to see how he um, you know, responds to everything now that he's got a relatively full year of playing in the NHL under his foot. And so when you go to the forward core, because I think that's a big, obviously, part of this team and where we are, and certainly look at the top six. And we can go through all the guys, Brett, you know, Nico, Hughes, all those guys. But I want to focus more on the bottom six and also the young players that could potentially make this team because I think that's more intriguing than what the top six has to offer. I'm not saying the top six is not going to be, you know, unbelievable. I'm saying that we already kind of definitively know who's up there. It's more sure. of the bottom six, who's going to make the team, who's not kind of thing. So in your, in your opinion, Bill, like how do you see the top, the bottom six rounding out, honestly? So for third line, if it was up to me, I would, I would put, uh, I'd play Tatar on the left wing, Hall mm-hmm. at center, and then I would probably run Zetterlin out as right wing. I, I like mm-hmm. Zetterlin's game a lot. He is a, he's a beast and, mm-hmm. um, He's got a great shot too. So mm-hmm. he adds a little physicality. And then the fourth line, I would um it would be Wood if he's healthy, hopefully. And then center is is a is the question mark for me. So I'm kind of out on on Mike McLeod. Mike McLeod yeah. last year was so disappointing, in my opinion. He the mm-hmm. year before he, he was playing like his life defended uh, depended on it. And then they lost Wood, and that BMW line kind of lost its identity a little bit. I feel like they weren't as physical, and um, and Mike McLeod had like six goals. He, you know, he played seventy-seven games, and yeah. uh, he took a lot, he took a lot of penalties that I thought were undisciplined. So I might put. I know Boquist doesn't really fit in with that line, but he does have speed, and so does Wood. And then obviously, I'd play Bastion on the right. And we should also mention the situation with Michael McLeod and Hockey Canada right. could potentially play a factor um, in this. I would, I would like to hope that there's more information that comes out. I'd like to get a clearer idea as to what, who's involved in things like that because I think McLeod probably knows that if he is found guilty and that becomes a definitive thing that he won't be on the Devils much sooner. He will probably get cut released whatever you want to say it i kind of i kind of brought this up on one on on i think my first podcast and and it was you know everybody loved to give um love to give pavel zaka you know they people weren't happy with pavel zaka because we drafted him seventh overall and he didn't produce but i mean mike mcleod we drafted 12th overall and he kind of gets a pass for some reason you know what i mean and it's like yeah he 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 was not productive last year, and I, I, it was disappointing in my in my opinion. And he went a long time without getting his first NHL goal. Like it became a running joke after a while that like he would get called up, and you think that this is the time he finally scores one, and he would just never produce. And at the end of the day, McLeod just could never live up to the hype that he had around him. And if you think about the guys that were drafted uh, after him, uh, same thing with Zaka. You definitely can say the Devils kind of missed out. And and one thing I'll say about Zaka really quickly is it's just never going to work in New Jersey. I mean, if, if it t- it's seven years and nothing really improved dramatically. So if it wasn't going to work now, it was never going to work. And that's kind of the reality, I think, 
of the situation. And, and McLeod, it might be the exact same situation as well. I guess only time will tell. I like that you brought up Boquist because I think he finally found a role on this team. I know it took him a long time. At one time, he was our top prospect, which kind of tells you how far we've come uh, developing our farm system. But I, it's good. You saw him last year. The second time he got called up in January, you saw that he was a different player, a guy who wanted to just create a, a solid role for himself that he could define. And that's what he did. And I think that he's definitely earned himself a chance to really compete uh, for a job. I think, um, down, I think down the stretch, Boquist gained a lot of confidence, and you could see it. You could see it directly in his game. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that he'll take that confidence going into next season. Now, you did mention him before, and uh, I want to hold on. I want to hold off on Holtz because I, I want because you know I want him to have his own you know kind of question asked. But when you look at some of the other young guys that are probably going to get invited to training camp. Are there any guys that stand out to you that say, you know, they could prob they have a shot of maybe making this team. They could surprise some people. You know, I, I would say Nemitz, but that right side on defense is is so deep. And which I mean, having having a right side defense uh, you know, depth problem is is such a luxury. So that's really yeah. nice to see. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, if the Devils not at not in camp, but if the Devils ended up moving Severson before the deadline, and if mm. they thought that Nemeth was capable of coming up, and they were able to protect him and give him, you know, a limited role if he was to come up. But at a camp, um, I don't know. I mean, probably maybe Ball. I mean, I would yeah, like to see. Yeah, like when they when they when they got Brendan Smith, I looked at that like you have to be able to beat Brendan Smith to play in on the devils. Now that's like, that was setting the bar for defensemen. And I thought balls game got a lot more complete and was a little more mm -hmm. rounded last year towards the end of the season. It was good. It was just like Boquist actually. Right. I thought they're both of their games definitely developed and matured a little bit. And you saw him, he wasn't making, he wasn't making bad plays. He wasn't making stupid plays. He was he was smart with the puck and he was getting the puck out of the zone and transitioning well. And I think he's a guy that I would probably consider uh, putting out there on the opening right night roster if um if he plays well and has a great camp yeah i think kevin ball is the one that stands out to me the most i can see him as like that seventh defenseman that we bring on you know we sent brendan smith two-year deal so i mean it's the expectation is that smith is going to be on this team and and play for us and i do like the veteran um presence that he brings and i thought he actually played relatively well on that carolina team so i'm hoping that he can help us but obviously the left side a little bit more thin the right but I do think Kevin Ball could be a guy that can make it as like a seventh, um, a seventh defenseman. Now, we come to Alexander Holtz. He is the most intriguing player going into camp because obviously in the short time he played in the league, he did show a few flashes of what he could potentially be, but not like Dawson Mercer. He didn't jump onto the scene and really get going. He definitely had himself a really good full year of playing in North America with Utica and was one of their better players. And Holtz himself spoke about he had no interest in playing in the World Juniors. He had his entire focus was on training and getting ready to compete for a spot on the Devils roster. And he's been working out with uh, Jesper and his younger brother, Philip, the Brett brothers. Uh, so there is uh, obviously that, and Brett, I'm sure, can give a good insight to uh, 
rough in the staff about where Holtz is and his development, but he's in a tough spot because our top six feels pretty set, but he could very well stand out and really get going. So, but how do you see it all playing out for our, uh, our former uh, number one overall pick back in 2020? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I, I look at the lineup and I think, where are you going to put them? Like, I, I don't know. You're going to have Palat and Brat playing on the right side alongside Nico and Hughes. And um, honestly, I, I mean, I don't think you're helping them out, putting them on the third line, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I kind of wish he was a left winger, to be honest with you, because uh, I would probably move Sharon Govich down to third line and I would try Holtz with um, Hughes. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's – that's just not the way it is. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he spends another year in the AHL and some of these guys come off a contract. Like, I mean, Tatar's going to play on the left side, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him another year. I mean, one thing I will say about Holtz is he kind of reminds me of a guy kind of like he's like a goalie. So like a, like a Marty Brodeur to where he, he seems like he has the personality to where he lets things go really quick. So right. he seems to be positive. He he's like he looks very focused. He looks very positive. He doesn't you know, he doesn't let the fact that he didn't make the team last year and Lucas Raymond, you know, is a star who's he was his linemate. Right. He doesn't let that stuff bother him. He looks like he he knows what he wants and he's not phased by it. And I, I think he's gonna be fine. I right. just you're looking at the lineup. I you don't want to put him in a position to where he's not going to succeed and then totally kill his confidence and ruin the kid. So, if it was up to me, I would probably start him in the AHL and then I would wait and see what happens. If he starts lighting it up down there again, maybe bring him up and figure out a place for him. But uh, I I don't see where you fit him in the top six. I think the only way that he makes the top six is if he comes into camp and he is dominant from the start and. Yeah. Somebody like Sharon Govich or even Mercer, which would be kind of a stunner, you know, doesn't really perform at the, at a high level. And um, I think Holtz knows that. I think he knows how difficult this is going to be. This isn't like last year where you can feel that good. But it's also kind of an interesting thing because we still have a guy like Andreas Janssen on the roster who the Devils, I have a hush might not be done making moves and it probably will be during training camp because there's going to be situations where guys are going to be playing better than others. And it's going to be a matter of, are they going to fit on this team? And I think that it makes it. So we've now kind of created a good log as I like to say, like we have such a huge amount of options that, it doesn't feel like in a way that there is a wrong option here because Fitzgerald wants to create competition up and down the roster. And I think now, that that's what he wants can to you, do. Could you play Holtz on the left side? I mean, is that is that an I option? Think he, I mean, here's the thing. I think if the Devils went into camp and said to Holtz straight up, all right, look, the right side is pretty well set, but we do need your help on the left side. Can you play it? I'm sure Holtz would play the left side. I don't think there's a question, in my opinion at least. And there were a bunch of goals. If you go back to when Holtz was playing in the AHL last year, there were a bunch of goals that he scored that were on that left side. So it's not like it's foreign to him. It might take a little bit more time, but he's still playing his position of a winger. Um, The only other thing I can think of 
which it might make things difficult is do you move Mercer from the bottom, from the top six? I, I don't know if you can. I don't know if you should unless he starts to, unless he starts to struggle. I mean, there's a lot of question marks going into training camp and we all want to see Alexander Holtz be that top goal scorer. Um, I don't want, I think that's why a lot of the rumors about us trading for somebody revolve around him because it may be just that people are looking at it like there isn't a place for him on the team anymore. And that's unfair to him because we still don't know if he's the real deal or not. And I think it's not, it's not fair for the, for him or anybody to just make a move to remove him without giving him a chance to at least try to show what he can do. And I think that, there's a possibility that he can move to the left side, or they may make Mercer move to the left side right. or to a center position. Yeah, so, and, and tell and tell me he doesn't remind you of like a poster not kind of guy. I mean, you're talking about you know the devil possibly looking at him. I mean, I mean, this is our Pinox sign me right now. What's that? I was going to say if, if if Alexander Holtz is our Pasternak, sign me up right now. Like, I'm yeah, I mean, obviously that's a stretch. He hasn't done anything or proved anything in the in the NHL. Oh, but he did but look up big, the Pasternak. That's that's something. Yeah, and, he, and he's a big body, and he's got a great shot. He's a finisher. He's a you know, so a true finisher. So, I mean, if you were if there's anybody that's going to get him some open ice and get him some looks, it's Jack Hughes. And I would like to right. see I would like to see that chemistry. I would as well. And I think that's going to be a very, that's going to, I mean, we have a lot of big question marks. I don't want to say big, that we have a lot of question marks going into the season, not from not always, you know, like a bad thing. It's more of like just kind of an intriguing thing. Now, the last thing, Bill, that I want to talk to you. And again, thank you so much for taking time with us is I want to focus a little bit more on our younger players, our prospects. And we actually saw earlier today uh, the Continental Hockey League, or the KHL, which is in Russia, the second biggest uh, hockey league in the world, uh, released earlier today that, uh, number one, it is the 15th anniversary of uh, the KHL. So this will be their 15th season. But they also uh, made a list of their own of the top 10 under 23 players going into the KHL season. And the Devils have two prospects, not only on this list, but in the top three Shakir Mukamadoulin is number three on the list at 20 years of age, and he played a little bit uh, with the Utica Comets at the end of last season, but it sounds like he's going back to oof uh, this season. And the guy that is the biggest unknown when it comes to if he'll ever come to New Jersey, and that is Arseny Gritsyuk, who is of the age of 21, and he is number one on that list. So... What do you what do you think of that? We were talking before about the the Devils have several guys on the Athletics under twenty three prospects players list with Jack Hughes being number one, and the KHL's got two uh, Devils prospects in the top three of their under twenty three with Arseny Gritsyuk being number one. Oh my God! We're just we have all these people just lined up waiting to find a, a spot on the Devils. I see with Gritsyuk, I I don't know if he's ever going to come over, so I try to keep my I try to keep my expectations low. He looks like he's lighting it up. I mean, every every time I, you know, you go on Twitter, or you you see his highlights. He looks like a pure goal scorer. Um, now, Muka Madulin, I I will admit, when we drafted him, I was like, I was I was a little shocked. Um, but after watching him in the World Juniors, and then you know, watching him his uh, his highlights and stuff. 
he he's a great skater. He's a big dude. He doesn't necessarily use his body uh, the way that I would, kind of like you were saying with Kevin Ball. But his outlet pass, man, he has some sweet stretch passes. Um, he could definitely move the puck. He has a great first pass. Um, mm. So, yeah, no, I'm excited. I mean, anytime you have a kid that big that plays defense and is that ranked that high as a prospect, I mean, that's just waiting in a pipeline filled with other prospects that are ahead of him. I mean, that is a great problem to have. So, I mean, I'm thrilled. Yeah, and obviously we, you know, I've talked about Kuritsia because for several, you know, several times, and it's like, you know, he just signed a new contract with Avant Garde Omsk. So again, it sounds like it's going to be well. He does have the Devils on his profile, so I mean, he still looks at it that way. I'm sure he's a guy that Fitzgerald is trying to keep his eye on a lot. Uh, don't I mean? I kind of look at it like. If it's not going to work with the Devils, where like we're not going to be able to get him to come over here, and maybe he just doesn't fit, I wonder if the Devils would use him in a trade for somebody. Which I mean, it's not a big thing either, because again, it doesn't hurt to have as many options as possible. I would, I don't know if he's coming to prospect camp. I don't think he is, but I could be wrong about that. I would like him to come over and at least play. He was not part of the uh, the prospect camp. Um, this past uh, this past July, there's a prospects challenge coming up in two weeks. Um, I don't think he's a part of that either. Although, again, like I said, I would like him to be here, but I guess it's kind of only time will tell, and we'll see what he can do in the KHL. Same thing with Shakir going back there, and uh, you know, all we could do is just hope that they continue to have success, and maybe at some point the Devils can revisit this and try to get a guy like Gritsiuk, uh over to North America and get him uh, to be a part of the Devils organization long-term. Um, Bill, this has been phenomenal, man. Uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, I really, really enjoy uh, everything that we've covered today. And I'm super excited to have you a part of the Devil's media world and another podcaster, you know, that we can all interact with and talk to. Um, and as I do with all my guests, I allow them to let the people know where they find them on socials, where they can find the podcast and anything else they got going on. So, Bill, my friend, the floor is yours. Yeah, thanks for having me, Neil. This has been great. And uh, this is the first time I've ever done a, a podcast. Where the, uh, so I'm kind of wor uh, working out the kinks. And uh, But I have to say the New Jersey Devils community and online community has been overwhelmingly gracious and supportive in just the, the first week. So I want to thank everybody. And we have so many great people that cover the team. We really do. So I feel very fortunate. I listen to everybody. I've been listening to everybody for a long time. So it's cool to uh, hop into that community. But you can uh, you can catch me on Twitter, uh, The Trap, New Jersey Devils uh, Hockey Podcast. And uh, you can catch me on YouTube as well uh, under The Trap. So uh, I'm going to be putting out a podcast probably once a week and hopefully just adding, uh, adding some content and some stuff to, uh, to the devil's universe. Well, again, man, we, we, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I know my listeners were very excited to, uh, get to, you know, hear your voice, you know, you know, give your opinion on a lot of different things. And, uh, I'm also, you know, counting on them to go and support you as well. And, and again, Bill, thank you so much for your time today, man. And we will definitely have you on the podcast again down the road. But again, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Neil. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, to the future and uh, working together, you know, sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank you again, man. All right, man.